Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. Today, we continue our series on how to grow your family tree, because God does, in fact, care about us. He cares about every area of our life, and it's been a powerful series already. In a time in our culture when family's under fire, when we're redefining what God's laws are and trying to make them on our own terms, we need to hear the truth of God. What is your plan for my family? What is your design for marriage? And the beautiful thing is that God loves us so much that he gave us a design. He didn't just say, hey, you guys figure it out. No, he has a plan. We wanna have the heart to step into and follow and trust his plan. And so today, as we continue that series on how to grow your family tree, it makes me think of that image of a tree. This big, mighty oak with a thick tree trunk that's able to withstand the storms and has these beautiful leaves. And as I think about that tree, I began thinking about that this week in light of the topic that God has assigned me to bring to you today. And I began to think about the threats that our trees can face. And I came across this little creature called the emerald ash borer. It's like the green goblin in the bug world is my personal opinion. It's a bad little thing and it's, I'll tell you a little bit about it because I studied, studied it, I studied what it does to trees, healthy trees. It's an invasive bug, this insect bores into the bark, causing the tree to lose almost all of its foliage. So you look up in this tree, like where did your leaves go? And if it's not treated, that tree typically dies three to four years later after being infected. Interesting, the larva of that bug, it feeds on the inner bark and destroys the ability to transport water and nutrients. When it comes to the tree of your family, understand your family is facing threats. Our families are facing threats. And at the top of the list, there are many, but at the top of the list, the topic we're gonna talk about today is anger and bitterness. When anger and bitterness infects your life as a person and then infects your family, it leads to devastating results. And so we're gonna unpack this, and I pray your heart would be ready to receive what God has for you today. But I've gotta be very transparent and honest. As I was preparing this message on anger and bitterness, I found myself battling anger. I was so mad at times. I mean, I would fight through it, but there were these moments that would crop up. I kind of liken it to when you're shopping for a car and you see the one you like and then you see it everywhere on the road. I was like, okay, this is what's happening. I am under fire here. But various things would happen. You know, it's the little things, right? Sometimes it's the little things. It's when my whole family was coming over for dinner and I had really worked hard. I wanted to make it special. I mean, I have a married girl now and, I, and her husband and everybody coming and I put the chicken on the pot, it was boiling and I burned the whole thing down. No more time to go get new chicken. You know those moments. Or maybe it was the moment, I have three daughters and one son, and maybe it was the moment when one of my precious little someones left her waterproof mascara in my cup holder and I didn't know that it was leaking and I reached into my cup holder and next thing I know my favorite jacket is covered in waterproof mascara. It's those moments. Y'all feel me? When it just kind of starts to oh, get at you and all of us face those little buildup of the daily irritations or frustrations. But sometimes it's deeper than that, isn't it? 
Maybe you can relate. Maybe somewhere in your life, maybe someone hurt you, betrayed you. There was a moment when they deeply disappointed you and maybe it's a person in your life and you thought, not you. You, you wouldn't do this. That happened as I was preparing this message. There's those moments that we all face, we all battle the challenge and the experience of anger. Whether it's from frustration, frustration or irritation, being annoyed, all the way to rage and fury. Wherever anger falls on the intensity, on the spectrum, it's always difficult, it's always unpleasant, and it does not end well. Anger. So we're gonna dissect it, and I pray that as we dissect it, God will show us and we will diagnose it in our own lives and we will see freedom on the other side of this journey. So anger, first and foremost, what is it and why in the world do we have to deal with it? Let's look at a definition that I might consider. What is anger? It's a strong feeling of being upset, annoyed, or antagonistic towards something wrong or bad. So I perceive something or I see something that is wrong or bad and I feel annoyed. I feel anger. I feel that emotion. So why? Why do we even experience it in the first place? As human beings, why do we experience it? I believe there's a very powerful and true answer to that. In Genesis 1 and 2, God makes it very clear as he was creating us, male and female, creating them, the Bible says, as he made us, he made us in his image. And God feels anger. Not all anger is wrong. There is a righteous anger. Righteous meaning right. There's a righteous anger. Check it out in Psalm 711. God is an honest judge. He is angry with the wicked every day. Do not ever wonder if God is apathetic about our sin, if he does not care about the wickedness in this world and in our hearts. He cares, he thinks about it every day, and he is the honest judge. Understand, God feels wrath towards sin. Sin, what is that sin? It's that sin that rejected God in Genesis three and said, not your way, God, I'm gonna go my way. We still repeat that sin every day. It's that sin inside of us that shredded God's creation, destroying the thing that God had made. The sin inside of us, it's an offense to God. It's offending him. And that sin, understand, that sin is not just what I do. It's inside me. I battle it. I wrestle with it. I'm born with that sin nature. And God, his wrath is pointed at our sin. It places us in the position of God's wrath and in the path to receive God's wrath. And the thing about God's wrath is God's anger must be met. It must have justice. It has to be satisfied. It cannot just continue unaddressed. And it will. And someone will pay. Always someone will pay. The question is, will it be me? Praise God. This is the good news of this house. This is the reason that we worship church and we sing. Praise God. First Thessalonians 5, 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Is anyone in this house thankful that God's wrath, Jesus, took it on the cross? His wrath coming for you, coming for me because of my sin, 
Thank you, God, that you took it. Thank you, Jesus, that you bore it because you loved us so much. Every evil, every wrongdoing, when we place our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, Jesus, his sacrifice for our sin, God says, paid in full. My wrath is no longer headed towards you. It's been satisfied through Christ's sacrifice. We've gotta understand that, we've gotta receive it. But when we do understand that we are made in the image of God and God feels righteous anger, always. God never has unrighteous anger, it's always right. You and I were made in his image and so when we see, when we experience something evil, something wrong, anger is a natural response to sin. But when it comes to anger for you and for me, there is a right kind of anger, but there is also a very wrong kind of anger. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, be angry, interesting, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The Bible is literally normalizing and telling us when you see sin, be angry. When you see something wrong, be angry. In fact, if we can look around and see the wickedness of our day or you can experience some of the tragedies and, and sin that we all encounter and not feel anything, something's wrong on the inside. We feel anger when we see those things, but God quickly brings a warning because you are human, you are not God, be careful. When you are angry, do not sin. Sin is crouching at the door to take that righteous anger and make it oh so very wrong. And a couple of tips, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What is he saying? Because we are frail, because we are vulnerable in our angry state, we better ha understand there's a clock ticking. It's like a time bomb. We better watch out. If we just let it go, if we have no sense of controlling where it's headed, we will find ourselves in a very dark place. Finally, verse 27, give no opportunity for the devil. When anger runs rampant in our lives, we are literally partnering with Satan. The imagery is that there's a door and Satan's on the other side of it and we crack that door open and his foot can come right in to that relationship, to that situation, to your peace of mind, to your well-being, to your health, all of it. Sinful anger gives the devil an opportunity in our lives and he's looking for it. The Bible says he, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Are you ready for it? Are you just a target for the enemy? God, help us. There is a right kind of anger, church. We're just not very good at it. We're not very good at it. Maybe for you, there's a bad pattern of disrespect in your marriage, and it makes you so mad. You know what, that anger, it's normal to feel that anger, but here's the question I'd ask you. Is that anger righteous, or is it unrighteous? How do we know? I'm so glad you asked. We're gonna pursue God's word and I believe he's gonna reveal to us because most of us, we're just going along, experiencing these things. God wants to equip us. He wants to equip us how to navigate the normal feelings of anger. James 1.20, again, God diagnoses saying, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Our human anger, if we're operating in our human self, it will not produce righteousness. What is righteousness? It's living right, right before God. It's walking into the right life God's designed for you and I to live. And human anger will stop that. 
It will halt that. It will injure that. Human anger leads to sinful results. That's its natural end. So we don't wanna operate in human anger, but how do we know the difference? We always have to go to the heart. What is going on inside my soul? It's the place no one can truly see, but God and you. God, raise our awareness. So what is going on? Why am I struggling with this? How do I know the difference between righteous and unrighteous? And I would want us to ask some questions. First question would be, what is driving me? When you find yourself in that angry situation, that thing has happened and anger starts to boil, stop and ask yourself, what's driving me right now? What is it that's driving me? And as we consider that question, there's two follow-up questions I want us to consider. The first thing is, what do I love? What do I love? Because if you step on something I love, I'm gonna be angry. If you step on something that's important to me, that I hold dear, don't kid yourself. There's gonna be a fury rise up inside of us when that happens. What do you love? Matthew 22, God's very clear when it comes to our love. He says this. When asked, what's the most important law, Jesus? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your strength. Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. A second, equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. God has a very clear design for our love and there is an order to things. Interesting as you read this passage. We sometimes as believers like to say, oh, well, it's either or. No, it's both and. As you love your neighbor, as you love your spouse, we love God, but who is first in my heart? I love my spouse, but God, do I love you more? I love my children, but God, do I love you more? I love my family, but God, do I love you more? It's not about less love for others. It's about a priority love for God and God alone in my heart. And if we get our love out of order, We are setting ourselves up for unrighteous anger because we love a lot of things and a lot of people. But if we love those things and those people more, we're in a vulnerable place. Second question, as we try to ask, what's driving my anger? What do you seek? What do I seek in my life? I would say all of us seek a good life. We all desire to have a flourishing, good life. I have not yet run into the person who said, you know what, my goal is to be miserable. That's what I'm going for. No, obviously, we, none of us feel that way. We have desires on the inside. We desire to be loved. We desire to have connection with others. We desire to have fun. We desire to experience pleasure. We desire health. We desire safety. We desire so many things. We desire happiness. These desires and so many others, they're good desires. Many of our desires are good desires. I would even go so far to say many of our desires are God-given desires. The question is, who do I seek? Where do I go to fulfill the desires that I have? Where do I go? Who do I go to to meet the needs in my life? Matthew 6, 33, again, He gives us clarity. God says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. He did not say seek the kingdom of God only. 
It's okay to seek love from your spouse. That's a God-given good thing. It's okay and it's right to seek relationships where there's honesty between the two of you. But who do you seek above all else? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Above all else. So it's okay to have plans as you're building and working in your own life, but are you all about your kingdom first or the kingdom of God trumps? It's all about the order to things and it begins to help us understand in the context of anger what's driving me. Let's keep looking to understand that because there is an order and we look no further than the model, the one who shows us the way and it's Jesus himself and there's many places and I wish I had time to go into each of them but there's places in scripture where you and I can see Jesus was angry at times. And he was perfect, he did not sin in his anger. It was rightly appointed, it was right on time. Mark 11, there's a moment when Jesus sees people corrupting the temple, impacting people trying to worship God and hindering them, hurting them, cheating them, and you see Jesus very angry. There's another moment in Matthew 23, oh you ought to read it because he is fired up as he talks to some religious leaders who are pretending to be godly but their hearts could not have been further from God. And the Bible says that they were leading people away from God. In fact, one text said so much so that you are shutting the door of the gates of heaven so that people can't get in. Wow, and Jesus was angry. Another moment in John chapter 11 where you see Jesus go to the tomb of his very dear friend Lazarus who had already died and Lazarus is in that tomb and Jesus saw the people grieving and weeping and he knew where their hearts were. And the Bible says he grew angry as he looked at his loved ones weeping. The Bible even says he wept. Why was he angry? Death is the picture of the ultimate end game of sin. And he saw the destruction and he saw their pain and he looked at the people he had created and loved so deeply and said, I never intended this for you. In his soul, he knew that wasn't my end game for creation, for my people that I love so dearly, and it angered him. He was angry. Understand, when it comes to Jesus, he was always on mission. He knew why he was there. He understood that he had a sacrifice to make, and he was all in. And so these moments when you see that anger arise, understand what was driving his anger was love. Love for you, love for me. Love to see us restored and anger at the things that would destroy us and separate us from him. And when it comes to you and me and our reality with anger, here's the truth. When we feel angry, typically the last thing we're thinking about is the kingdom of heaven and the love of God. (laughs) You may be the exception. Congratulations, that's wonderful for you. But for the rest of us, that's not our natural go-to. That's not the first thing that pops to our minds. Think about this. When your kids melt down at the grocery store, you are mad because you're embarrassed. When your spouse is being hard, you're mad because now your life is hard. Or you're in traffic and that car in front of you is driving unbelievably slow and you're mad because you're inconvenienced. Or maybe that family member is wreaking havoc on your home and you're mad because it's disrupting peace in your family, in your mind. Or maybe your spouse has been unfaithful 
or someone you love has betrayed you and you feel hurt. But in that hurt place and as that anger rises, there's no thought to the kingdom impact of this moment or how God's love should drive you to respond. God is saying, I wanna help you. I wanna reframe how we walk into these spaces of anger. Things make us angry and sin should make us angry. Wrong things should stir that anger, but oh God, let it be through the framework and the filter first of your kingdom and your love. Some questions. Am I more concerned with my rights or God's righteousness in my life and in this situation? My desire or God's design? Am I busy building my kingdom and so if you step on my kingdom, you're out of line, I am coming after you Or am I considering that God's kingdom is the greater kingdom? Do I care more about my comfort than the condition of your soul? Take marriage for a moment. There's so many patterns that play out. You may be in a situation right now and think, wow, we're so broken, we're so weird. No, chances are you're fairly normal with the patterns that play out, but who wants to live in a broken place? God wants us to live in rare air of freedom. But as I think about some of these patterns, I'll share with you a a couple. Broken places that make us angry. Maybe, and this can be he or she, can be either of us. But maybe he's not communicating. He won't communicate with you. And it makes you feel angry. And what I wanna ask you is, what makes you angrier? The fact he won't communicate or the state of his soul? Maybe for you, she's disrespectful And it is a pattern in your marriage and it's worn you down and it's wrong and it makes you angry. What makes you angrier, her disrespect or the health of her heart? We've gotta ask ourselves, we should be angry at the sin of disrespect. We should be angry at the brokenness of communication, yes, but what makes us angrier? Maybe he or she, you're scoreboarding, and you've got this list of things. Oh, look what I did over here. Well, you did that. Well, let me show you my five things, and it's exhausting to you. You have asked for this pattern to stop. It makes you frustrated, which makes you angrier. That pattern of behavior or what lies beneath it? What wound is there? What hurt is there that the Lord may be allowing me to minister to my spouse and be hands and feet as we walk it together. Maybe she's withholding sex from you in your marriage. And that's not God's design. I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 7. God talks about his design for sex and marriage. But she's withholding from you and you desire intimacy with her. You know why you desire that? Because God created that. So that is a sin against that marriage. But are you more concerned and do you care more about not having sex than you care about the soul condition of your wife? What? is driving us, what is driving you. God, help us be angry about the right things. When we're seeking God and his righteousness, our anger will tend to be righteous. It tends to work that way. And you may be hearing this right now, and you're saying, you know what, Susan, this sounds all good and all fine, but I want justice. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know the abuse, the horrific details of what I endured. And I would tell you, God sees you in that place. He loves you in that place. And he's angry about what happened too. 
And he allowed free will. He allowed that person to have the free will to hurt you just like he gives you the free will to reject him or to let him walk you through this pain. He loves you. And God is a God of justice. And I wanna take us to perhaps, not perhaps, the most grotesque moment of injustice our world has ever known. And it was Jesus on the cross, completely perfect, perfect God, perfect man, walking to the cross, a criminal's death, being mocked, being beaten, being bruised. And the Bible tells us, rather than resist, he walked without a word. Why? He had all of the power of heaven at his disposal. One word, and the angels could annihilate everyone, all of his enemies. Only the power of a God could remain on that cross when he could get off of it. That moment of such injustice, it was so wrong. Why did he stay there? Why did he endure the personal assault? Because he was driven with love. He was driven with love. As he bled on that cross, he saw you and he said, I love you. That's why I'm staying. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I love you. That's why I'm gonna stay on this cross and I'm gonna pay for your sin so there's a way that you and I can be reunited in relationship and I can rebuild your life, giving you life. He was driven by love in the middle of injustice. Even in our anger, you and I, we must be driven by love. God, help us to have that drive, even in the middle of the unjust place. A helpful question, really for anything in life, but anger included. In my anger, am I loving God first? And am I loving my neighbor as myself? Am I loving God first, or am I loving my neighbor as myself? And you know what that means? We long for justice. God even says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice because they will, they'll see it. God will do it. But the question is, do I love justice more than I love God? I gotta love God more. Trust him, he will be just. So why is it so hard to stay righteous in our anger? Why is it so difficult? It's because sin is hard. It's because the desires inside of us go rogue. It's because we wrestle with the humanity of who we are. But thankfully, we have a God who longs to help us. So I believe when we find ourselves in that angry place, we need to ask ourselves, why am I so angry? We're learning to evaluate what's driving my anger, but why? Why am I so angry? And it's helpful if we can really discern what is triggering me right now. What are the things triggering me? There could be lots of triggers to our anger, but I wanna give us a few. One, one of our triggers, we talked about this, my desires. I want something, I desire something. And when you step on my desire, anger flares up. I want what I want and I'll fight to get it. Whatever that thing might be. Second thing, unmet expectations. In my mind, subconsciously, maybe even unspoken, I have a belief of how things should be. Oh, this plays out in marriage. This plays out in our relationships. We have an unmet expectation. We've never even told you about it because you should know. I mean, what is wrong with the brain cells in your head? Because clearly, this is very clear, but it's not. 
Not only have you not spoken about this unmet expectation, you haven't agreed together on this expectation. And what if the expectation is unrealistic? These are triggers that pop up in our our lives. Misdirected, number three, misdirected anger. Something happens to you at work, something happens to you at school, you encounter a frustration, someone says something rude and you come home and you just direct it at the people around you. By that point, you're already so far gone and they're an easy target. And we've gotta watch out for misdirected anger. We gotta deal with that anger as soon as it bubbles up. Broken circumstances, your chicken burns, right? The car breaks down, you're late to work. These broken, these broken conditions and circumstances start to build and it rubs on us like sandpaper. We've gotta deal with that anger. And finally, another example of different ways that trigger us. True offense, we talked about this. Somebody truly sinned against me. They hurt me. And that anger is a natural response. But if you and I give ourselves to those emotions, then we are no longer following God. We are following our emotions. And anger is a very unreliable guide. We cannot afford to follow it. You know something interesting about anger? Maybe you've experienced this that anger can sometimes feel like a false sense of comfort. It actually feels kind of comforting. Almost as if the more angry I am, maybe that means justice is being served. If I let go of this anger, I'm somehow saying it's okay, and it was so not okay. And we begin to nurse ourselves and comfort ourselves with this warm blanket, not understanding that the warm blanket is full of thorns going to cut us and hurt us and get us infected. But we hold on to that offense and we're partnering with Satan as we do. Do not hold on. It gives Satan a foothold. How can I avoid this unrighteous anger? Now we see it. We have learning how to discern unrighteous versus righteous. How do I avoid that unrighteous anger in my life? First thing is slow your roll. Slow your roll. James chapter one says, be slow to anger. Why? We just talked about it. It doesn't bring about the righteous life God desires for you to get to live and for who you're supposed to be. Be slow, slow down with your anger. Proverbs 14, 29 says, people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. You know what is so empowering about having the Holy Spirit of God in your life? is that you have the power to control your own anger. Some of us need to receive that empowerment today. There may be someone in here, you're checking out the God thing. You do not yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. My friend, he wants to know you, love you, and fill you with his Holy Spirit so that you can have power to live this life. You are not meant to navigate life and live it alone. We need the power of God. We need his help. We need his strength. And it's available to us if we'd receive it. And pray, pray. Don't just think about God, talk with God. Listen for what he might say back to you. Read his word and let it soak into the core of your heart. We wanna be operating in the Holy Spirit, not in our own humanity. Another way that we avoid unrighteous anger, we've talked about this, check your motive. What's driving me? Go back to what we talked about. Check that motive. 
Ask yourself, dig deep, test that thing before God and see if it still stands before his righteousness. That means you may have a desire in your heart and it may be a good desire, even a God-given desire, but maybe it needs to submit in this situation. Maybe we even sometimes have to die to ourselves and that's a whole nother message. But God, I love you more than this thing that I desire. Maybe it's those expectations, things that you believe should be or gifts that you wish you had or that you want. God, you're the giver of every good gift and if I don't have this gift right now, God, I'm gonna hold it with an open hand, waiting on you, but not running to my anger to demand it. True offense, it happens, we get hurt, but hear this Christ follower, holding a grudge is not an option for us. It's not an option. When you find yourself in these places, please hear that following God as he helps us navigate anger, it does not diminish the pain. It doesn't mean that pain's not even still there. But my friend, rather than trusting your pain to your anger, trust God with your pain. Don't trust in your anger. Trust in God. And if you don't control anger, it will control you. This is what it does. True of any sin that we battle, Oh, we think we got it under control. Oh, we think it's not causing any harm. But as we give ourselves and we give ourselves and we give ourselves to that sin, we give ourselves to that anger, it begins to get embedded inside of who we are, Proverbs 29, 22. An angry person starts fights. Now it's not even limited to that conflict. I'm stirring it up with all the people around me. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. There is a big difference in getting angry and being an angry person. God, help us in this house. Free us in this place. Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. Every word in the word of God is so powerful, and as you see images like that, something being lodged, I'm curious what pops into your mind. I see a splinter stuck inside of your skin and it just can't come out and it's dug so deep and if it's not addressed, that infection. Or I see a bullet lodged inside of someone and if that's not rescued, they're gonna be very, very sick if not dying at some point. When anger gets lodged inside of us, it is a dark, dark place. When anger's lodged inside your heart, what that becomes is bitterness, bitterness. I don't know if you watch reality TV shows ever, I don't advise it, but if you do, right? We watch these reality TV shows sometimes, it's like you can't look away from the train wreck. But sometimes these reality TV shows, they're so sad and so hard, and I remember watching some about people who really struggled with hoarding, where they would keep things that they needed to let go and to a point where it was so extreme and I would see pictures and I would see people interviewed who struggled with hoarding and they would be asked, you know, why do you do this? And I just can't let things go. I don't wanna let things go, everything. And then, and then now I can't really let things go and it's, it's a weird comfort that I feel. But the reality is it's trash in their lives. It's destroying their quality of life, their existence. And I remember hearing people interviewed when they would go into those homes to try to get all that trash out. I won't go into the things they found because it's, it's too early for that. Too early in the day. But the things that were underneath those piles of trash and disgust, it's horrible. 
I would ask you today, are you hoarding your hurt? Are you holding on to the offenses that someone or someone, people have done to you in your life? We hoard sometimes our hurts. We begin to replay it in our mind and we think about the different angles of what that person did that was wrong. Or I'm just gonna shove it under the rug, not deal with it, and I hope it'll go away. I believe it will if I just ignore it long enough. The only problem is the stack of debris is continuing to rise. Are you hoarding your hurts? Are you replaying the offense? Are you finding some kind of weird comfort as you settle in in this anger? What's happening is you are, you are being robbed of your life and you're becoming a person with a shorter and shorter fuse and that bitterness, it's changing you. It's changing who you are. We cannot afford it. God says, warning, Hebrews 12, 15, watch out. Because he loves us, he warns us, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Here are some quick signs that bitterness may have poisoned your soul. One, it begins to consume your thoughts. You think about it, decreasing your quality of life. And then it begins to mutate. The Bible says it troubles you, but it also corrupts many. It begins to corrupt your other relationships. They're now being affected. Another way you know you're getting poisoned, you begin to recruit others. The more people that I tell, the more people that I talk about, the more people that I recruit, somehow I'm feeling like what was wrong is being made, brought to justice. That I am feeling like I have people on my side. Sometimes we have difficulty maintaining close relationships. The longer we harbor our hurts, it's very interesting that the closer we get to people, the less likely we'll stay close. And sometimes we become highly sensitive, easily offended. All of these things can be markers, symptoms that bitterness is poisoning us. So how do I be free? How do I be free from this unrighteous anger, this bitterness in my heart. Commit to the work. Church, commit to it. Hebrews 12, 14. Listen to this passage. It's in the middle of a, of a moment where there's some sort of conflict. Work at living in peace with everyone and work. Two times he says work. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Listen to verse 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. In the middle of the conflict, God is saying, that person that's hurting you, that person you're in conflict with, look after them. Look after them. Look after them. It's powerful. Commit to forgive them. It's never saying that it's okay. It's never saying that what happened is okay. Sometimes when we forgive someone, we think that we're saying what they did is okay. Sin is never okay. But we have to be people that release the debt that is owed to us. It's a big deal to God. Matthew 6, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse, listen to this, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sin. We don't have time to unpack that. But those words are so heavy that all I know is I can't risk not forgiving others. Lord, help me to release that debt, to release that anger and bitterness. It's not optional for a believer. Ephesians 4.31, when it comes to the anger, 
when it comes to the bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Church, God says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You think it's comforting you. You think somehow it'll bring justice. You think that anger is helping you, is destroying you. God says, get rid of it and let me help you get rid of it, God says. Verse 32, instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, not hard-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ Jesus has forgiven you. What is the darkest place? What is the awful sin in your past that you committed? When you put your trust in Jesus, he looks at that space with you and he says, forgiven. And as God has forgiven me, how can I not forgive? So I wanna take a moment. There's some heavy things that we've unpacked, some real struggles that we've faced in this room. And I believe God wants to set some of us in this room, all of us, free. So will you just bow your head? We're gonna do some business with God. Just take a moment. You know the reason that we, one of the reasons we bow our heads is let this be personal. Let's be undistracted for a moment by the people beside us, around us. This is you and God. And as we do, I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come forward because we're gonna do something powerful. In a moment, we're gonna sing and worship God, thanking him, responding to him. But I believe in this room right now, some of us are bound up with anger. Some of us have been struggling with bitterness. We're holding on to that grudge. I think someone else in here, you're hurt because someone hurt you deeply. Bible says there's power when people pray and we're gonna pray. Don't leave this space without encountering the power of prayer. And as we pray, whatever it is going on in your life, maybe God is saying, you know what it means to work? He said, work for it, work for peace. What if the first step of you working for peace today is to stand up out of your chair and come get prayer? Pray over your family. Someone you love is battling anger. Maybe it's not even you and you see what it's doing in their life. Come pray on their behalf. How about rather than fight in our families? Church, can we fight for our families? No better place to fight than on our knees. So God, I pray over this moment. I pray that your spirit would move. Only you know the hearts and the minds of everyone in this moment. Only you know the secret struggles, the patterns, the hard places, the hurt, the wounds that have been inflicted. God, you know. And I pray no one would leave here without your touch, without your freedom, that we would receive healing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, will you stand? And will you begin walking now to receive prayer? Or will you stop where you are and pray right where you are? Don't just look around the room. Pray. This is a short moment, but it's a very powerful moment. God is moving in this place. Let's seek him. Let's pray. 
high-risk prayers for our family. God, will you free us from anger? God, our household, it's an angry house, and I'm sick of it. I don't want it anymore, Lord. Let today be a moment when those chains break, when strongholds break for your family. God, I have a child, and they're so angry, and I don't know how to reach them. Let's pray for your child. Let's not be sad about it. Let's not just be mad about it. Let's pray for them right now. Wherever you are, grab the hand of your spouse. Pray for someone you love. God, move in this moment. You have a few more moments to come forward. It's not too late. Take advantage of this gift. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.